Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Oh, God's people said amen. I was thinking when he was praying, sweet hour of prayer, right? Thank you for that wonderful time of prayer. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number one. If you join me there this evening. I enjoy these words. Hi, Linda. We just prayed for you. Amen. That's the young lady I was speaking about who just uh, seen her mom pass on in the back there. Wave at us, Linda. Go ahead and turn around and see who it is. Yeah, go ahead. You want to. Go ahead. Amen. We're praying for you, sister. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 begins with these words that I have always enjoyed. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Isn't that neat? Don't you like that? Isn't that comforting? Huh? I've always enjoyed those words. In fact, uh, we, we, might, we might say it like this, the birth of Jesus Christ happened just like this. You know, that's more of a contemporary way of putting it, you know? The birth of Christ happened just like this. And then the Bible goes on and, and begins to share with us the Christmas story. Well, that's what we call it. The Bible doesn't call it that, but we call it the Christmas story. It's the story. And if it was a story writer... He might say, once upon a time, right? But the, the gospel says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, and then, and then it fills in the blank. When as his mother Mary was espoused, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, before there was any intimacy, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. I want somebody to say, wow, that's amazing. We read it so matter-of-factly. But, man, when you sit back and contemplate and think about it, it's like, man, what a God we have. Then Joseph, her husband, he was really, he wasn't a husband yet. They were just engaged. But back in that time, when you were engaged, you were considered husband and wife. Her husband, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Now, think about that. There's a message right there, right? Maybe I don't think I'll have time this year to preach it, but I will one day. How, what a, what a godly young man. Here he is, he's a spouse to this young lady, and all of a sudden he gets news from her that she's with child, and he knows it's not from him. You know what a young man would do today? Huh? But not him. Why? He's a just man, and so he didn't, want, he didn't want her to be embarrassed. He didn't want to cause a family scene. He puts her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, and here's what the angel said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph said, man, that explains everything. <laughs> that explains it all. Really? I think he was to say, what? Huh? You know? And she, it says in verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, 
which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not. Now you know what that means, no intimacy, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus. That's, that's the Christmas story. Isn't that wonderful? And you know, when you, when you, when you read it, you know, it, it's Christmas time. You figured that out already, right? You know, they, they started in July. You know, it's a year, I mean, it, it's just all, almost all year long now just to make money. But it's a favorite time of year for many. And when you, when you look at the story, there's just so many moving parts, right? Aren't there? Uh, because we can go from Matthew chapter 1 into chapter 2 and then Luke chapter 1. And there's just so many moving parts, you know. When you read the story, uh, there's, there's the shepherds, right? The shepherds out in the field who are, you know, taking care of, uh, of their flocks. And then, of course, there's the kings. It wouldn't be the Christmas story without the kings, right? Those men from the east. How many were there? We have no idea. He said three. You're singing a hymn right now. We three kings of Orient are. I thought you would have said that, Chris. Uh, so, but those kings, right? And then, of course, there's, there's Mary, you know, the virgin, that young lady who God showed favor to, right? And then Joseph. And boy, I tell you, if you did a study on this Joseph, he was some, he was some kind of a character. Uh, the, these two were raised by godly parents because they had some deep character in their lives, you know? And then, of course, there's Herod, the king, who uh, is seeking to, you know, stamp out the Christ child. You know, moving parts, all these moving parts, it doesn't stop there. Of course, there's Bethlehem. How could you not think about Bethlehem? We sing about the little town of Bethlehem. Have you ever been there? Nothing like you would imagine. It's a very, very busy place, very cardinal place. Uh, back in that time, it wasn't, but today it is. Very cardinal place. But there's Bethlehem. And then there's the angels. Right? And then there, there's the star. And then there's the inn and the innkeeper. And then, of course, the innkeeper's wife. And he probably had some kids. And then there's the stable and the manger. All these moving parts. That's part of the Christmas story. Right? And if we're not careful, we can get so trapped in the details that we miss the focus. We miss the focus. And, 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 and I think we need to keep in mind that... Christmas is all about Jesus, right? Now, I think you're aware of this. The word Christmas is not in the Bible. Don't want to upset you, you know, but it's, it's not there. And I'm not going to bash it because I know what it stands for. I know its origin. I know where that word came from. But, you know, even though the word Christmas is not in the Bible, the event is. The event is. And when you look in the Bible and you read about the event, you know, Christmas is all about celebrating the birth of Christ, or doctrinally speaking, uh, it's, it's, it's referring to the incarnation of Christ. The incarnation of Christ. That's what it's all about, you know, the Christmas story. And, and that's what the scriptures refer to. So before we move on and, and do a little bit more of a study, let's talk a little bit about this word incarnation and what it means. Let's define incarnation. Help, help me with it, class. I like to involve you as much as I can. So when we speak about incarnation, what are we talking about? And don't get cute by saying the birth of Christ. 
What is that? That's a doctrinal word. What does it imply? What, what's the reference to it? Joe, you're a scholar. Come on. Spirit of God coming into a man, okay. Who wants to broaden that? Come on, folks. You know what it is. Well, actually, a word is from the Latin. Means meat. Flesh. There you go. Carne asada. <laughs> Uh, just give me, give, me the, give me the definition because now you're giving me all this language. That's good. So, and so it's, it's, it's basically this. When you speak about the incarnation of Christ, what we're speaking about, that word is made flesh. Just what he said. Incarnation comes, the root word there being carne. And so, in essence, what that talks about is this. The at the core is God becoming a human. God becoming a human. So when Jesus Christ was incarnated at his birth, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, because our God is a triune God, right? There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The second person of the Godhead, God the Son, right, became a man. He became a man. And, and he was, now pay attention to this term, he was 100% of both Amen. at the same time. So he was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. He didn't lay down his divinity. He did not lay down his authority. He did not lay down his, to become a man, he at the same time was God and man. He was the God man. Jesus Christ was the God man. And so at Christmas time, we celebrate the incarnation of Christ. Say with me, at Christmas time, we celebrate the incarnation of Christ. It's just not the Christmas story. I know there's shepherds, and I know there's, you know, wise men from the east, three kings, Dave said. Uh, I, I know there's Mary, and there's Joseph, and, and there's the manger scene, and, and I get it. And I know we drive in the neighborhood, and we see on the lawns nativity scenes and all that, but let's not forget that Christmas is all about Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, becoming a human. Becoming a human. In fact, Galatians chapter number 2. Now, fellas, I, I don't have the clicker, and so I think I remember I put some verses in here. So, Doug, you have to, you have to help me. Uh, but in Galatians chapter number 4, here's the, way, here's the way the Bible puts it. But when the fullness of time was come, I like this verse. God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Right? And so at, at, the, at the absolute perfect time, at the appointed time, what happens? God sends forth his son. Did you ever read Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6? Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about his humanity and his divinity. Right? A child born, his humanity. A son given, that's his divinity. And so that's the God-man. At the very precise time, God sends forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. The second verse we'll get to in a moment, that's the purpose of his coming. John said it this way in John chapter number 1, 
John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And then in verse 14, that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Isn't that wonderful? And it goes on and talks about how we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What's that speaking about? That's speaking about His incarnation. That's the Christmas story. That's what we celebrate, you know? And if we're not careful, we can get, we can get caught in the wrappings, you know? And not just the story itself, but in the secular wrappings. Are you with me? And I'm not, believe me, I'm not here to put a wet blanket on your Christmas. Is somebody's phone ringing? We okay? Everybody good? You need to take that? <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's, not, let's not forget the fact as to what we celebrate during this season. So my question then is this. As we celebrate Christmas and we, of course, remember that it's about God becoming flesh, the question is why? Why? Why did Jesus leave the splendors of glory? Why did he come and take on the form of a man? Why in the world would he want to become like this? Huh? What's the purpose in all of that? Well, let's talk about the purpose of, of the incarnation. And now, this is, this is a little doctrinal, right? And, and, and we can make it practical because the doctrinal can be practical. But I want you to stay with me. Now, there's probably about 20 reasons I can give you as to why Jesus wasn't with the purpose of the incarnation. But let me give you what I believe to be maybe the top three, okay? And I'm gonna, I want to get to the second one, spend a little time on the second one. The first, the very first reason, uh, purpose for the incarnation would be to reveal God to us. To reveal God to us. John chapter number one, verse number 18 says this, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, what's it say? Yeah. He hath declared him. He hath, or he has revealed him. Up to that point, God would reveal himself through creation. God would reveal himself through his word. Uh, the psalmist said this in Psalm 19, verse number 1. The Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth, it, showeth his handiwork. Amen. Right? So how can you know God? Did you ever read Romans chapter number 1? And verse number 20 says, you know, the, the invisible things of God are clearly seen so that man who dies without, you know, Christ goes to hell is without excuse. Amen. And what he says, when you, when you study down through uh, that text in Romans 1, God has revealed himself through creation and through conscience and through his word. So, uh, the average man can look at creation and say, there's got to be a God. And then, if man is listening to his own conscience, his own conscience becomes his own judge, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody walks into a person's life, maybe a missionary, maybe just a church member, and shares the gospel, Right? So God reveals himself or has revealed himself in the past through creation and through conscience and through his word. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 1 and 2, listen to this. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, 
Or in other words, one of the reasons, one of the purposes for Jesus Christ coming on the scene, being incarnated, is to reveal God, to make God personal to us. We can now, we can now glance upon, we can now, well, we can't, but they touched him. God became close, up close and personal, one of the purposes. A second pur purpose is this, and I want to spend just a moment on this, would be the, to, to provide a suitable sacrifice for sin. Amen. That's the second reason. To provide a suitable sacrifice for sin. I mean, Luke nails it. Luke 19, 10, Luke said, For the Son of Man has come for this purpose. To do what? To seek and to save the lost. Right? I mean, he nails it on point. Now, I, I want to make a comment, and we're going to show you a slide here, and I want you to try to wrap your brain around this. Listen to this, listen to this statement. The incarnation of Christ and the atonement of Christ are inseparable. Pay, pay attention to that. The incarnation of Christ and the atonement of Christ are inseparable. The inc pay attention now. The incarnation of Christ gave Jesus a body. The atonement of Christ gave, caused Jesus to be a lamb. Right? At the atonement, he takes on the body. At, at, at the incarnation, he takes on the body. And then through the atonement, he sheds his blood. And so you can't separate the incarnation from the atonement. In fact, the whole purpose he was born, not just to reveal God up close and personal, but to provide for us a suitable sacrifice for sin. Amen. And can I tell you where this is best illustrated? Here at our church, once a quarter, we roll out the, the communion table, right, on a Sunday night, and we celebrate, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate communion, you know? And if you pay close attention, you know, there are, there are two elements that, that we use as, as an illustration. One is a cracker, the broken body of Christ. The other is a cup of grape juice, you know, the shed blood of Christ. You know what it is? Look here. The broken body, incarnation, the cup of grape juice, right, shed blood, it's a perfect picture of the incarnation of Christ and the atonement of Christ. They're inseparable. And so as we celebrate Christmas this year, one of the reasons we come to understand Jesus came was to provide for you and I a suitable sacrifice for sin. That's good, isn't it? Amen. I like what the Bible teaches. It says in Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 11, it says, And every priest standeth daily ministering, and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. <laughs> Did you hear that? When I was growing up, I was, a, I was a Catholic. You know, I guess in some ways I'm still Catholic at heart. I got a guilt machine that works in my brain, you know. I think the priests and nuns put it there when I was a kid. But I'll never forget this. I'll never forget when I became an altar boy. And I served in the Mass. And, and here's the thing. Barry, I think you, you remember some of these things. I never knew what that mass was. I had no clue, no idea what I was doing. There were certain times when I would be up on the, on the altar and I would be serving the priest and I would give him, it's called the crux, I would give him a little bottle of water and a little uh, bottle of wine. 
And he would take them and he would pour them into this gold cup. It was called a chalice. I had no idea what he was doing. And then there were times I was on the bells. I loved playing the bells. Did you ever go to a Catholic church mass and you got that? And I love ringing them bells. I had no idea what the bells meant. I had no idea at all why we were ringing bells. And then there were times when I was on the plate. And I, I enjoyed being on the plate because back in the day when I was an altar boy, you had to come forward and receive the Eucharist. And the priest would stand with the chalice, and in the chalice he would have these wafers, the Eucharist. And then the altar boy would stand next to him, and as you would kneel down, you'd have to kneel down on the altar, we'd walk by and we had this gold plate on a handle, and we'd put it up to, and we would hit your Adam's apple, because we were ornery little altar boys. And we'd hit your Adam's apple, but we would put that, that plate there, because the priest would then say to you, he'd take the, the wafer, and he'd say, the body of Christ, and you being a good Catholic would stick out your tongue and say, amen. And then the priest would place that. What, what was the plate there for? Because, say what? So it wouldn't hit the floor. Because if some reason the priest missed your mouth or you closed your mouth or your tongue slipped and that hit the floor, man, we got trouble. <laughs> we got trouble. Now, I said all that to say this. I had no idea that later on when I went to Bible college and started studying out major religions, Eastern religions, all that kind of stuff, I had no idea what was going on. They were reenacting a sacrifice every single Sunday, several times, and then every single day of the week, the Catholic Church sacrifices the Lord Jesus Christ. You aware of that? Oh, that's, that's truth. And if you study their doctrine, they believe that. And when that priest prays Many times when I was a kid, they were praying Latin over the Eucharist. They were praying something called transubstantiation. That Eucharist would then, it, it would transmit into a different substance. And it would become the literal body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that when he said the body of Christ and you were saying amen, and I'll guarantee you this, 90% of most Catholics have no clue as to what's going on right there. Huh? The bells, you know what they're symbolic of? When the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year to make an atonement for sin, they would tie a rope around his ankle, and then they put bells upon his robe. And if he went into the Holy of Holies with sin, he gets struck dead. So guess what they'd have to do? They'd have to pull the old boy out in the rope. <laughs> the bells meant when he's walking around, they knew he was alive. If they didn't hear those bells, there's trouble in the Holy of Holies. The Bible says, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, you know, for sin, which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, forever sat down on the right hand of God. Amen. One, once and for all. Amen? The incarnation of Christ. There's no other Christian holiday that we celebrate that is under such attack as Christmas. Why? I'll tell you why. Incarnation and atonement. Right? That's where, where did Santa Claus come from? Good old Saint Nick. Xmas. Where the, it's just an attack upon the incarnation and the atonement of Christ. Amen? Amen? Oh, yeah. And then finally, to provide an example for believers to follow. That would be a third part. Now, there's many other reasons, purposes for him coming. 
But I would use this one as, as one at the top of the list to provide an example for believers to follow. First Peter chapter number two, verse 21 says, for, for even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Amen. And so Jesus called his disciples to follow him, and then he sets an example for them, you know, to follow. That's wonderful. First John chapter two, verse six says, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. And so Jesus is our example. So as we celebrate Christmas, you know, this year, let's be reminded it's about the incarnation of Christ, you know, and the reason he came, the reason he became man was to give us an, a, a, a good picture of, of God up close to provide for us a suitable sacrifice for sin and then to set an example for us to follow. Amen? But I wouldn't be much of a preacher if I didn't at least give you something to take with you, and that would be the result of Christmas. The result of Christmas. And I'll tell you something, friend, listen carefully. The result of Christmas is this. We, we got to make it personal. It's got to become personal. Christmas has got to become personal. And I think this, I think when we talk about the, now pay attention right here, when we talk about the incarnation of Christ and the atonement of Christ, it leads us to redemption and adoption. Redemption and adoption. Remember that text in Galatians chapter number uh, four? Do I have that up there, uh, Brother Doug? Look, look what it says in verses six and seven. And because ye are sons... God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Huh? So Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4, you know, in the fullness of time, God sent forth the son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Amen? To redeem them, that's, that's redemption. And then once we're redeemed, we're adopted into God's family. Isn't that awesome? Look here, if God only redeemed us and left us, we'd go right back to the sin-slave market and violate ourselves. But he adopts us into his family, not as a servant, but as an adult son. Now we get to enjoy all the pleasures. In fact, I like what it says in Romans, we're joint heirs with Christ joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's something about that redemption that I think we need to understand. In the Old Testament, and I'll close with this thought, in the Old Testament, there's something called, did you ever hear about this? It's called the, the kinsman redeemer. Did you ever hear that terminology? Did you ever hear that? Yes. It's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful teaching, and it's, there's a lot involved. But when you talk about redemption, just to cause us to appreciate a little bit more all that God did for us, in order for redemption to occur in the Old Testament, there were requirements, right? You just couldn't go. If, if, if you knew somebody, if you knew somebody that was, you know, a slave and they were, you know, you just couldn't go and redeem. You just couldn't show up and just say, hey, uh, that's my friend, bring him out. There were requirements in order to redeem. Here's, here's some of the basic requirements. First of all, there needed, to, you, there needed to be a relationship. In order to redeem somebody, you needed to be related to them. You know, Dave, if you just showed up, you wanted to redeem me, and all you were was my best friend, there was, there was no relationship other than that, you weren't a cousin, you weren't an uncle, you weren't a brother, you weren't my father, you could not redeem me. Secondly is this, there needed to be a willingness 
So Dave, Dave is my, he's my first cousin. He's my brother. I need to be redeemed. But he says, I ain't, I'm not doing that. All the trouble he's caused me, <laughs> got to be willing. So it's got to be related, got to be willing, and then he needs to be equipped with the price. So Dave says, you know, hey, he's my brother. I love him. What, what can I do? And they say, this is what, but I don't have that. So you got to be, you got to be willing. You got to be related. You got to be willing. And then you need to have the purchase price. <laughs> when, you, when you look at the Christmas story, you look at Jesus Christ, he meets all the, all the criteria. Amen. He settled all the requirements. He became a man so that he can relate to us. Right? I mean, the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are yet, yet, yet without sin. Huh? He's related. Was he willing? The Bible says of his own will he left heaven and came down here to die on the cross for us. Did he have the price? Yes, indeed, because the only thing that could be paid to redeem you and I for our sin was his precious blood. He had to give his life for our life. And that satisfied the just demands of Almighty God. Jesus is, was, is our kinsman redeemer. And now, because we're saved, redeemed, we've been adopted into God's family. There's a song that I absolutely adore. I don't know if you've ever sung it before. Did I put that up on the screen, Doug? There it is. Did you ever sing this song? I love this song. Can you see it? I am adopted. I'm a child of the King. God is my father and he owns everything. He walks beside me. He's my very best friend. Praise God, I'll never be lonely again. I'm adopted. Hallelujah. I got a new song. I'm adopted. Uh, uh, yeah, I got a new song. I'm adopted. Hallelujah. I finally belong. I got a brand new family overflowing with love. I'm a child of my Savior above. Isn't that a great truth? You want to sing it? How many want to learn it? Maddie, you know it? Who knows it? Tori, you know it, right? No? Anybody know it? You want to try it? Turn me down. Turn off the computer. Don't let me embarrass myself. It goes like this. I am adopted. I'm a child of the king. God is my father and he owns everything. He walks beside me. He's my very best friend. Praise God, I'll never be lonely again. I am adopted. Hallelujah. I got a new song. I am adopted. Hallelujah. I finally belong. I've got a brand new family overflowing with love. I'm a child of my father above. I think it's father, right? Put Savior. I couldn't remember the last few words. Isn't that a great song? But isn't it just a better truth? Huh? See, that's the Christmas story. Yeah, it's got all the surroundings. But the focus, the focus is Jesus. The focus is the incarnation. The focus is the atonement. The focus is redemption. The focus is adoption. That's what Christmas is all about. So need, no need to get discouraged. Well, I don't have money for gifts. I can't find a tree. My lights aren't working. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> right? Who are you hugging over there? It's all about, it's all about Jesus. And so, that's the Christmas story. Let's celebrate Christmas.
this year by keeping our focus on him. Amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.